story with me Love who you want to be, who you are Learn these lessons and we'll go far It's story time Story time Story time with Mama G Hello everybody And welcome to another episode of Story Time with Mama G How on earth are you all? I hope you are all well. And if you are in the UK, I hope you are surviving the lockdown with a smile upon your face. I do hope that that is the case. And wherever you are in the rest of the world, then I hope you are doing okay amidst this pandemic. Or you might be one of the lucky ones. You might live in a country where everything is under control. I really hope that you are. And uh, if you are, Please send us some positive thoughts for those of us in countries that are going to disarray. <laughs> Lovely to have you all here joining me. What a delight to have my friends here listening so patiently. And I've got a very exciting story for you today. But before I tell you what it is, let me suggest that you head to my Facebook, Instagram and YouTube pages and give them a nice little follow, like or subscribe. And if you haven't been to my YouTube page before, then I am delighted to tell you that that has all just become a whole lot easier. Because now I have enough subscribers that I can have a sensible YouTube address. So to find me on YouTube, you can go directly to my channel and put in www.youtube.com slash stories, And there you will find me. And if you are on Facebook and Instagram, all you need to do is search for Mama G Stories and you will also find me there also as well, which is delightful, isn't it? And now, let's get on with the story, shall we? Because I'm very excited to share it with you. Today's story is a classic, which is to say it has been written by somebody else. It is a serial... It is a serialization which is to say, I shall be telling the story in parts. I will be telling you a chapter a week. And it is The Canterville Ghost by Oscar Wilde. Enjoy. Canterville Ghost, Chapter One, A Hilo Idealistic Romance. When Mr. Hiram B. Otis, the American minister, bought Canterville Chase, everyone told him he was doing a very foolish thing, as there was no doubt at all that the place was haunted. Indeed, Lord Canterville himself who was a man of the most punctilious honour, had felt it his duty to mention the fact to Mr. Otis when they came to discuss terms. We have not cared to live in the place ourselves, said Lord Canterville, since my grand-aunt, the Dowager Duchess of Bolton, was frightened into a fit from which she never really recovered. 
thy two skeleton hands being placed on her shoulders as she was dressing for dinner. And I feel bound to tell you, Mr. Otis, that the ghost has been seen by several living members of my family, as well as by the rector of the parish, the Reverend Augustus Dampier, who is a fellow of King's College, Cambridge. After the unfortunate accident to the Duchess, none of our younger servants would stay with us, and Lady Canterville often got very little sleep at night in consequence of the mysterious noises that came from the corridor and the library. My lord, answered the minister, I will take the furniture and the ghost at a valuation. I come from a modern country, where we have everything that money can buy, and with all our spry young fellows painting the old world red and carrying off your best actors and prima donnas, I reckon that if there were such a thing as a ghost in Europe, we'd have it at home in a very short time in one of our public museums or on the road as a show. I feel that the ghost exists, said Lord Canterville, smiling. Though it may have resisted the overtures of your enterprising impresarios, it has been well known for three centuries since 1584, in fact, and always makes its appearance before the death of any member of our family. Well, so does the family doctor, for that matter, Lord Canterville. But there is no such thing, sir, as a ghost. And I guess the laws of nature are not going to be suspended for the British aristocracy. You are certainly very natural in America, answered Lord Canterville, who did not quite understand Mr. Otis's last observation. And if you don't mind a ghost in the house, it is all right. Only you must remember, I warned you. A few weeks after this, the purchase was concluded, and at the close of the season, the minister and his family went down to Canterville Chase. Mrs. Otis, who as Miss Lucretia R. Tappan of West 53rd Street, had been a celebrated New York belle, was now a very handsome, middle-aged woman with fine eyes and a superb profile. Many American ladies on leaving their native land adopt an appearance of chronic ill health, under the impression that it is a form of European refinement. But Mrs. Otis had never fallen into this error. She had a magnificent constitution and a really wonderful amount of animal spirits. Indeed, in so many respects, she was quite English and was an excellent example of the fact that we have really everything in common with America nowadays, except, of course, language. Her eldest son, christened Washington, by his parents in a moment of patriotism, which he never ceased to regret, was a fair-haired, rather good-looking young man who had qualified himself for American diplomacy 
by leading the German at the Newport Casino for three successive seasons, and even in London was well known as an excellent dancer. Gardenias and the peerage were his only weaknesses. Otherwise, he was extremely sensible. Miss Virginia E. Otis was a little girl of fifteen, lithe and lovely as a fawn, and with a fine freedom in her large blue eyes. She was a wonderful Amazon, and had once raced old Lord Bilton on her pony twice around the park, winning by a length and a half just in front of the Achilles statue, to the huge delight of the young Duke of Cheshire, who proposed for her on the spot, and was sent back to Eton that very night by his guardian in floods of tears. After Virginia came the twins, who were usually called the Stars and Stripes, as they were always getting swished. They were delightful boys, and, with the exception of the worthy minister, the only true Republicans of the family. As Canterville Chase is seven miles from Ascot, the nearest railway station, Mr. Otis had telegraphed for a wagonette to meet them, and they started on their drive in high spirits. It was a lovely July evening, and the air was delicate with the scent of the pine woods. Now and then they heard a wood pigeon brooding over its own sweet voice, or saw deep in the rustling fern the burnished breast of the pheasant. Little squirrels peered at them from the beech trees as they went by, and the rabbits scudded away through the brushwood and over the mossy knolls with their white tails in the air. As they entered the avenue of Canterville Chase, however, the sky became suddenly overcast with clouds. A curious stillness seemed to hold the atmosphere. A great flight of rooks passed silently over their heads, and, before they reached the house, some big drops of rain had fallen. Standing on the steps to receive them was an old woman, neatly dressed in black silk, with a white cap and apron. This was Mrs. Umney, the housekeeper, whom Mrs. Otis, at Lady Canterville's earnest request, had consented to keep on in her former position. She made them each a low curtsy as they alighted, and said in a quaint, old-fashioned manner, I bid you welcome to Canterville Chase. Following her, they passed through the fine Tudor Hall into the library, a long, low room, panelled in black oak, at the end of which was a large stained-glass window. Here they found tea laid out for them, and, after taking off their wraps, they sat down and began to look round while Mrs. Umney waited on them. Suddenly, Mrs. Otis caught sight of a dull red stain on the floor just by the fireplace, and, quite unconscious of what it really signified, said to Mrs. Umney, I am afraid something has been spilt there. Yes, madam, replied the old housekeeper in a low voice. Blood has been spilt 
on that spot. How horrid, cried Mrs. Otis. I don't care at all for bloodstains in a sitting room. It must be removed at once. The old woman smiled and answered in the same low, mysterious voice. It is the blood of Lady Eleanor de Canterville, who was murdered on that very spot by her own husband, Sir Simon de Canterville, in 1575. Sir Simon survived her nine years and disappeared suddenly under very mysterious circumstances. His body has never been discovered, but his guilty spirit still haunts the chase. The bloodstain has been much admired by tourists and others and cannot be removed. That is all nonsense, cried Washington Otis. Pinkerton Champion Stain Remover and Paragon Detergent will clean it up in no time. And before the terrified housekeeper could interfere, he had fallen upon his knees and was rapidly scouring the floor with a small stick of what looked like a black cosmetic. In a few moments, no trace of the bloodstain could be seen. I knew Pinkerton would do it, he exclaimed triumphantly as he looked round at his admiring family. But no sooner had he said these words than a terrible flash of lightning lit up the sombre room. A fearful peal of thunder made them all start to their feet, and Mrs. Umney fainted. What a monstrous climate, said the American minister calmly as he lit a long cheroot. I guess the old country is so overpopulated that they have not enough decent weather for everybody. I have always been of opinion that emigration is the only thing for England. My dear Hiram, cried Mrs. Otis, what can we do with a woman who faints? Charge it to her like breakages, answered the minister. She won't faint after that. And in a few moments, Mrs. Umney certainly came too. There was no doubt, however, that she was extremely upset, and she sternly warned Mr. Otis to beware of some trouble coming to the house. I have seen things with my own eyes, sir, she said, that would make any Christian's hair stand on end, and many, and many a night have I not closed my eyes in sleep for the awful things that are done here. Mrs. Otis, however, and his wife warmly assured the honest soul that they were not afraid of ghosts, and after invoking the blessings of Providence on her new master and mistress and making arrangements for an increase of salary, the old housekeeper tottered off to her own room. is going to happen in the next chapter of the Canterville Ghost. 
Now, I fell in love with this story, not knowing it at all well, last year when the Unicorn Theatre in London, which is a delightful theatre for children that I do ever so occasionally work out, work, work at, oh, I never occasionally work out, but I occasionally work at, their Christmas show was The Canterville Ghost, and I loved it so much that I went to see it several times. I even bought a ticket to go and sit in the audience with my own money. And that's how much I love it. So I realised I was going to be quite busy in the run-up to Christmas, what with being in pantomime and producing a show and another exciting thing I'll tell you about very soon, that I, I realised I didn't have time to write a new, fresh story for you. So I thought I would share The Canterville Ghost. And I really hope you enjoy it. That's going to take us all the way up to Christmas, I believe, if I've done my maths right, and I'm very excited to go on this journey with you. And, of course, Oscar Wilde, a very important Irish writer, who had a bit of a difficult life because he was thrown in jail for loving who he chose to love. Now, he lived in the Victorian times, and those times were very different, and the understanding of different relationships uh, wasn't quite as astute as it is now. And uh, unfortunately, Oscar Wilde was a victim of that. But he was an incredibly creative person and he wrote loads of wonderful plays. So he is very fortunate in that his legacy has lived on beyond his somewhat tragic history. And I will tell you more about him as the weeks progress. Um, but I do hope you enjoyed it. And now, shall we have a book of the week? Now, the book of the week is a character that at this point I believe we can consider an old friend of the podcast and of my own, and or by an author who has been featured numerous times as a book of the week. In fact, only a few weeks ago, I think, we recommended one of his books. Uh, the character is, of course, well, let me see if you can guess. They are patchwork. They would live in a jungle. They come in an Indian or an African variety. And some of them even fly. Do you know who it is? It's Elma, the patchwork elephant. Uh, a book that is 10 years old this year is Elmer's Christmas. It's by David McKee and it is published by Anderson Press and it is my book of the week. And one of the reasons it is my book of the week is because Anderson Press asked me if I would film myself reading it for the lovely people at Seven Stories, which is a story museum up in Newcastle. And I was, of course, delighted to. And they said, can you wear something Christmassy? So I did. I dressed up as a Christmas tree. And if you think that sounds fun, well, you will be able to watch it this weekend from either Saturday or Sunday at 10 a.m. on the Seven Stories Facebook page. So do make sure you go and have a look. And I will, of course, be sharing it to my page. What a great honour it is. So you can hear me read Elmer's Christmas, well, this weekend. And I, I think they might leave it up on the page, but I'm not 100% sure. 
But uh, then you will see why it is the book of the week, because it, of course, as with every Elmer book, is absolutely wonderful. But in case you do want to listen to me read it, I shan't give too much away. Suffice to say, I bloomin' love it! Well, thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Storytime with Mama G. Uh, if you are listening the weekend that it is released, not only do you have the opportunity to see me telling, uh, reading Elmer's Christmas for seven stories, I will be doing one final Facebook lockdown uh, story time this Sunday, November the 29th at 6pm, Greenwich Mean Time. I will be reading Frocodile by Jean Willis and Stephanie LaBerris, and I am ever so excited and don't forget that you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for at Mamaji Stories. Uh, every Sunday at 1 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time, I am on Glitterbeam Radio telling stories and playing music. And then, oh, what do I have left to tell you? And then, oh, you can get tickets to see Eunice, a musical at the Stanley Halls in South London from December the 19th to December the 27th because, my darlings, we have extended the run and I am delighted and thrilled that we are able to do that. So please do get your tickets at stanleyhalls.org.uk slash box office and I have very something very exciting to tell you about that very, very soon. So keep an eye on my social media. But in the meantime, please don't forget to share this podcast with everyone. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Review the podcast. Rate the podcast. It's all very, very helpful, my darlings. And I do truly appreciate it. And I will see you all next week. Bye. It's story time with Mama G. Come and hear a story with me. Love who you want to be, who you are. Learn these lessons and we'll go far. It's story time. Story time. Story time.